The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's going on, guys? My Take Radio, episode 379, powered by Rageworks, broadcasting live Wednesday, November 16th, 2016. I'm your host, Rich, and our call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number, 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning into My Take Radio, My Take Radio is a variety show covering mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. On Wednesday nights, we focus on MMA and wrestling. Thursdays, we switch gears, jump into gaming, a little tech, and some entertainment stuff as usual. This show is currently airing live on mtrlive.com, with audio being simulcast to Blog Talk Radio and Mixler. If you're on a mobile device, you can listen to the show via the Mixler app, just download it for iOS or Android by punching in M-I-X-L-R. That's how it's spelled. Putting in My Take Radio, and you'll be off to the races listening to a live, high-quality stereo version of tonight's broadcast. Archived episodes of this show are available on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and, of course, on RageWorks.net, with video also available on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash official RageWorks. All right. So, a couple of things. For those of you that are watching the show via Twitch, Vaughn Live, StreamUp, or any of the other video providers, as always, I recommend you guys head over to mtrlive.com to participate in the chat, as having a bunch of chat windows open for the different platforms is not good for the, for the health of my machine. So please head over to mtrlive.com if you can, and you'll be able to participate that way. There's lots to break down tonight in terms of MMA and wrestling. But before we get into that, I do want to address a couple of things. Uh, On RageWorks.net last week, we posted our schedule for the remainder of November and December, as well as 2017. If you've missed any of the previous episodes, you can go and look for that post on the site. You can see it in the little news ticker up top, and you can read it there. But a couple of things for those of you that just don't want to read. Uh, I am uh, doing one show this week, tonight's show, the MMA and wrestling show. There will not be a show tomorrow. There won't be shows next week due to the Thanksgiving holiday. 
but we will be back the following week, which would be uh, November 30th and December 1st. Then we're probably going to do shows the remaining two weeks and then be off until the new year. Now, if you've missed previous broadcasts, you know that uh, starting in 2017, we will be moving away from live broadcasts and we'll be switching back to a podcast format. Now, with that said, we will be still we will still do live shows, just not on a consistent basis. You know, we'll do the specials and certain things. If we have guests, etc., we will do live shows in that capacity. But everything else will be uh, distributed in podcast format. Obviously, part of it is time constraints and just dedicating time to a couple of other things. But in addition to that, I know that, you know, a live audience at the time that we broadcast is always hit or miss. Like, you know, some nights we have a full crowd of people. Other times we don't. And, you know, there's a lot of prep work that goes into giving you guys a live show. But that doesn't mean that it's something that we are doing away with completely. Like I said, it's just easier to record the shows and release them at po- as podcasts. Uh, they're just a little bit more uh, conducive to my schedule. Like I said, for those of you that have reached out and asked, not doing away with MTR, not at all, just uh, pivoting and working on some other things. You know, we're working on increasing our YouTube presence, working on monetizing, trying to bring in new staff, uh, a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, but Nonetheless, even though MTR will not be airing live, you can still catch uh, Ben and Taylor live on Black is the New Black, which you can also look for on Mixler. And of course, you can check out a host of our shows on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, including uh, TRSS, the Black is the New Black podcast, of course, MTR, The Variant Issue, um, Call Me When It's Over. We are we're definitely growing. We're trying to do some more stuff Uh, this coming week. We do have new episode of the variant issue dropping next Wednesday. We have a brand new episode of TRSS, which should be up shortly after this show is finished. And of course, this episode will be available in 24 to 48 hours. Plus, Josie's boy has call me when it's over, which should be dropping this weekend as well. So again, full slate of programming, lots of great stuff. Uh, I do want to address uh, one email that I received earlier this week, uh, just asking about the transition to the RageWorks network. And to answer that person's email, most of it is in, has already been finalized. I don't know why iTunes is still using our old My Take Radio artwork when RageWorks artwork is available. Unfortunately, iTunes is just slow to update, but that does not mean that the transition is incomplete. On the contrary, you pretty much can find the RageWorks network now on all the usual providers. So that transition is pretty much done. Uh, Google Play and Spotify, once we are done with the live shows, I can really focus on getting that finalized. Lots of little hurdles and things we got to address, artwork. And now that the show is, you know, that RageWorks is essentially a network. There's a couple of different things I got to take care of to ensure that that goes through smoothly. In any case, that's where we're at with that stuff. Last week, as you know, we were covering a couple of events. We were at the UFC 205 weigh-ins, which I will address later on during our MMA segment while also discussing the 205 card. Now, one other thing I did want to mention for those of you that want to pick up MTR merch, as always, you can click the store link 
on RageWorks.net. I know some of you guys have asked where the link is. It is on the front page. You can't miss it. Uh, just punch in store. takes you there. And obviously, you can buy not only merch for all the different shows, but some of the other pop culture tees that are there. Obviously, due to our affiliation with the vendor, we do get a small cut, so every purchase helps. As always, I know a lot of you guys are always hesitant about that stuff, but any purchase that's done through any link provided on the site uh, goes towards helping RageWorks, whatever it may be. So be aware of that unless otherwise indicated. Most times, links that are there we are, are things that we are affiliated with, and every little bit helps. So figured I'd let you guys know that because a couple of people have asked questions. All right, what do we got on deck tonight? Obviously, we're going to be talking about UFC 205 and the craziness that it brought to the Big Apple and I genuinely mean a fuckload of craziness. So we're going to get into that. This week's MMA news, we're going to talk Raw, SmackDown, predictions for NXT, Survivor Series. And as always, we will take your calls, 347-324-3541, 347-324-3541. While I'm mentioning that, uh, Mixler is actually having us test a call-in feature which I was going to test out this week, but unfortunately, um, you know, still a couple of bugs that have to be worked out. Nonetheless, we are going to be trying out Mixler's call-in feature. Uh, if it works well, we may be moving to that full-time in the new year when we do live shows anyway, especially because, you know, Blog Talk Radio has had its uh, its issues. So, you know, one of those things I did want to mention as well. Now couple of people that I've been talking to off air while we were on hiatus were curious about, you know, my thoughts on the election and why I haven't done a lot of monologue about the election. And I want to address this once just so that everybody knows I didn't get into discussing the election because I personally uh, didn't want to deal with the different people that were pro or against whatever person there was you know i have my own thoughts on it and i just felt that you guys are being bombarded with it on television radio podcasts advertising anything you read and you know i pride myself on giving you guys mtr as an escape as an outlet as a place to uh, laugh maybe maybe argue a little bit and bicker and get some stuff off your chest but for all intents and purposes it is a place where you can escape and have some fun And I just didn't want to get into all the political stuff. I mean, I talk about a lot of real world stuff in opening monologues on different shows. And, um, you know, I just felt that it was it was too touchy, man. I I mean, you know, people on Facebook and on Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff. I just I just didn't want to do it. And, you know, for the people that were asking for me to give my take on it, I just felt that this wasn't the platform for that. I that's why I didn't do it. So if anybody has wondered why I um I just chose I just chose not to do it because like I said I just felt it wasn't this wasn't the place or the platform for that um you know if I ever decide to get into talking about politics and more of the newsworthy stuff I will but my take radio won't be the place for that. Like I said this is all about being entertained, having a few laughs, kicking back talking shop and getting away from all the bullshit in the world. So 
you know, that's that's why that has never come up leading up to the election or after the election. So there you have it. And if you follow me personally on social media, I don't really touch on that stuff anyway, because it just creates too many unnecessary conversations. People can't talk about it intelligently or people just get bent out of shape about it or, you know, your opinions on people change based on their political leanings. You know, the only thing I'll say to that is, you know, a lot of people that I that I thought I knew, they, you know, they, I just learned new things about them uh, during the course of this election. Not necessarily bad, not necessarily good, just eh, not, you know, not what I expected. Nonetheless, with that said, that's why election stuff hasn't come up. We haven't discussed it, and I do not intend on going any further than what I said on this episode. All right. With that said, let's jump into some MMA. All right. So first thing was, I noticed that that drop came in a little too earlier than I would have liked. It's all good. You guys know it's the MMA segment. And if you've noticed, not drinking Monster, drinking a beautiful uh, cup of cold brew coffee, uh, partially because I noticed I was drinking too much of it. Also because of something that Mortis, who's in the chat, shared, which was rather interesting. And, you know, I took something he mentioned to heart with regards to energy drinks and have kind of applied some of it to my day to day. So Mortis shout out to you for that. And I got to tell you, I hate coffee. I do. I don't drink hot coffee at all, but I've become, uh, enamored with cold brew coffee. I really enjoy it. Uh, no bitter aftertaste doesn't taste like garbage. And best of all, I don't have to drink a hot cup of the shit like nice, cold ice cubes, you know, good stuff. So (laughs) there you have it. But yes, um, you know, I, I, you know, I moved away from it, uh, partially because of a couple of things I saw, not that I still don't love me some, some monster energy, but just trying to decrease that. And, uh, coffee is coffee's pretty nice. Well, cold brew coffee. I don't drink anything else. Just cold brew anyway. All right. So Let's talk about UFC 205, which was, holy shit. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, the easy, that's the easy way to describe it. And before I get into the card, I want to just share my experience uh, with the UFC taking over New York City. Uh, the UFC and MMA was just everywhere that week, uh, from areas around Madison Square Garden to fighter signings, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, it was it was amazing. We ended up uh, my wife and I getting tickets for the weigh-ins on Friday, the eleventh. We got there. I got to tell you, uh, the doors opened at four thirty in the afternoon. We got there a little bit before four thirty, and it was a huge, huge crowd. On top of the fact that guys were actually scalping tickets for the weigh-ins, which if you if you positioned yourself accordingly you could have attended for free. So guy, that's how you knew it was serious. When guys were scalping tickets for weigh-ins, which were essentially free. 
Now, you know, I would have liked to have gone and, and been closer to the action and covered it as a member of the media, but you got to jump through a lot of hurdles for the UFC for that, number one. Number two, it was a pre-wedding anniversary gift for my wife, so I didn't want to turn it into work. So I'm glad I didn't. It was it was crazy. Um, you know, they, there were, you know, we'll get into the records in a few minutes, but it was it was a packed house. And, you know, there was a, a huge Irish contingent there for McGregor, also a huge Polish contingent for uh, JJ and Carolina. And it was it was crazy. There were there were people chanting. There were lots of Irish flags, guys dressed like leprechauns. Um, you know, it was it was it was insane. Guys wearing little green bowler hats. Uh, they had T-shirts like different Conor McGregor T-shirts that people had made up. You know, with a lot of his sayings, like "Who the fuck is that guy?" Like they had that. They had a lot of those those crazy shirts. It was it was a crazy crazy scene. I I, I had a blast. It was it was a great event. And best of all, right after the weigh-ins were completed, they started promoting the Ronda Rousey Amanda Nunes fight, which goes down December thirtieth. And it was funny because as soon as McGregor finished his post his post weigh-in interview, people started leaving. Then they showed the video trailer for Nunez and Rousey. And I said to myself, holy shit, they got to be here. And sure enough, Dana White comes out. Joe Rogan does the intro. And, you know, Amanda Nunez comes out and Ronda Rousey is in attendance. The arena went fucking ape shit, which was which was cool. You know, if you guys were, were following Rageworks on Instagram, I put up different videos Tried to get some photos, obviously, lighting, distance, et cetera, were a factor. But it was cool to see that, obviously, New York City, it would be crazy to think that Ronda Rousey was not going to be in attendance, but she was. It was it was an amazing, amazing experience. I, I genuinely, as a fan, was totally immersed in, in everything that went down this past weekend. And there's a couple of reasons why. As a fan of mixed martial arts, much like a fan of pro wrestling, I like to see both both sports be viewed favorably, be profitable, and be successful. Obviously, because all of that trickles down to the fighters, uh, you know, on the UFC side. It also just trickles down to the sport in general. If you see the type of turnout at like that for a UFC event, and it's your first time attending one, you may be inclined to check out a Bellator event, a World Series of Fighting event. Um, there's there's definitely a lot of a, a lot of great things that came out of that. Plus, like I said, the 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 fans were just ravenous. I I mean, you know, this was people on the escalators doing you know Conor McGregor chants and singing Irish fight songs on the escalators leaving the Garden. There's video which you can check out on the RageWorks Instagram of just people outside just chanting like the street, like the way Madison square garden is situated. Uh, you have the building here and then you have the Avenue right in front. The entire Avenue was full of people just, you know, doing, you know, Conor McGregor chants and, you know, singing different, uh, Irish fight songs. It, it was, it was insane. It was insane. Now, of course that Saturday, the, the UFC 205 card went down a lot of people asked why I didn't attend. It was fucking expensive. Like, even if you wanted to sit in the nosebleed seats, it was about 200 bucks, which 
just it was impossible. So I ended up watching most of the fight in my house. And then there's a, a UFC gym not far from me that, that I go to. And if you're if you go to the gym, you get to see the fights. They have a big um, projector screen and they have TVs throughout the gym and they give the fights there and people bring chairs and stuff and they have food and you get to go see the fight there. So we ended up watching most of the fight at the house. Then we went to the gym to watch. Uh, we ended up watching the Weidman fight. The actually, no, the Weidman fight I watched in, in the house. But Tyron Woodley and Wonderboy, we watched there. And um, of course, McGregor and Alvarez. And it was it was crazy. It was, like I said, just a, a crazy, crazy vibe. Now, in terms of the fight card itself, you know, a lot of people are, you know, they were like, oh, you know, I like this. I didn't like this. I'm going to be honest. Usually when I talk about these cards, I talk about the bugs, you know, the bad, the ugly and uh, the good. But overall, I felt that UFC 205 was a solid card from start to finish. And most of the gripes I have are things which I'll get into in a moment. But overall, it was a pretty badass fucking card. On top of the fact that history was made at Madison Square Garden, it was it was really a solid card from bell to bell. Now, obviously, I'm not going to go and uh, water it down by going through all the fights, but I do want to talk about some noteworthy fights that I thoroughly enjoyed. And, you know, I got to say the fight with Tiago Alves and Jim Miller, even though it was supposed to be a, a you know, it was supposed to be contested at a lighter weight class. Uh, Tiago Alves had weight cutting issues, so it was uh, contested under catch weight. But it was an enjoyable fight. Jim Miller is, is an awesome fighter. I was bummed that Tiago didn't wasn't able to make weight. Uh, he's he has said that it was because he was dealing with some health issues. Don't know if that's the case. Nonetheless, the Jim Miller Tiago Alves fight was fucking fantastic. Uh, really great fight. I thought that those guys delivered. Uh, the Vicente Luque Bilal Muhammad fight was bonkers because I didn't expect it to end so viciously with Vicente Luque separating Bilal Muhammad from consciousness with a beautiful KO in the first round. I was like, holy shit. Like it was, it was legit. Um, you know, he hit him with a, with a left hook and he just floored him. He pretty much was, was stretched out based off of that. It was, it was crazy to see Uh really, really shocking finish, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Now, you know, the Tim Bosch, Rafael Natal fight, again, another fight with a stellar finish. Tim Bosch really surprised me. And um, I actually had him as my pick on for this fight, not because I dislike Natal, Rafael Natal. I think Natal is a great uh, is a great ground specialist, but his stand up is always questionable. Tim Bosch definitely delivered the goods there. Now, the one fight that really tripped me out was Michael Johnson and Khabib Nurmagomedov. Now, as many of you know, Khabib came in 23 and 0 before this fight. Everybody felt that he was next in line to fight Eddie Alvarez, of course. Uh, he was very upset that Conor McGregor got the opportunity instead of him for obviously a, a litany of reasons, uh, mainly because, you know, the guy's 23 and 0. The record speaks for itself. Uh, even though he has been plagued with numerous injuries, I do feel that Khabib deserves an opportunity. He had without a doubt, a stellar showing against Michael Johnson. Stellar. It was really a flawless, flawless, um, you know, a flawless performance on his part. He secured victory via Kimura in the third round. But again, he just looked really, really good going in. Um, 
you know, the outcome of this fight definitely puts Khabib in serious contention, even more so now to fight Conor McGregor. The only problem is that Khabib has a lot of issues staying healthy. If you guys have been following his career, you know that he he train he trains very 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 aggressively and as a result of that sometimes he ends up doing him doing more harm than good putting himself on the shelf now in terms of fight potential with Conor McGregor uh Khabib I think definitely has all the tools to put Conor McGregor through the ringer I can I can definitely attest to that but I also think that in terms of marketing appeal even though Khabib is 23 and 0 and you might be able to get a you know a great Russian turnout. That's the kind of fight where you got to do a lot of work to book it. Not because Khabib is is unmarketable because he is a marketable fighter, but I just feel that if you're going to get into the Conor McGregor circus, you you got to come in there with your A game. I mean, Eddie Alvarez definitely turned it up a couple of notches in hyping up this fight. We know Nate Diaz had zero problem hyping it up. Same thing with Jose Aldo. You really got to turn that dial up to to 11 to to really get the most out of that. Obviously, everybody wants to get paid. Conor McGregor is the big payoff for a lot of these guys. And like I said, Khabib, his record speaks for itself. But in terms of marketing and, and generating interest, I don't know. I don't know how well they would fare unless you did the card in Russia, which would be insane. If you did the card in Russia, I, I guarantee you it's a sellout crowd. That's for damn sure. But I was thoroughly impressed with Khabib's performance. Now, Frankie Edgar, Jeremy Stevens, another great fight. Frankie Edgar got an amazing ovation. Jeremy Stevens forever will be the who the fuck is that guy uh, to Conor McGregor. And to most people, I mean, he got a, a really, a really, sh- uh, uh, he got booed out of the building because of, you know, obviously because of that and because he was fighting Frankie, who you know, even though he's a Jersey native, it's, you know, he's an adopted son of New York training, you know, at Henzo Gracie and just being being a great ambassador for the sport here in New York, just as much as New Jersey. In any case, Frankie Edgar, another guy that went in there and had an amazing performance, got his victory via unanimous decision. But he looked like a completely different fighter out there, not to take away from Jeremy Stevens. I think Jeremy Stevens had a lot of moments where he he definitely stepped it up and took it to Frankie, but Frankie just looked, uh, you know, he looked like he was at the top of his game, didn't look winded, didn't look tired, didn't even take too much damage, and it was it was a great performance by Frankie. That's for that's for damn sure. Now Raquel Pennington Misha Tate was a solid fight, probably one of the weaker fights on the card, and I think it's I'm going to give you guys a couple of different reasons for that. Obviously, Misha, we know the outcome. Misha Tate lost and she retired. But I noticed when she was on the on the stool between rounds, she just wasn't in it. And they actually had video that they didn't show where she was just like, I'm done. You know, I'm done fighting. And it was weird because I just felt that psychologically she was she got she was broken in that fight. Raquel Pennington was on the Ultimate Fighter that Misha Tate coached with Ronda Rousey. Misha Tate was her coach. And think of how far Raquel Pennington has come as a fighter to come in there and just dismantle Misha Tate. And it, it was it was it really was a, a, a dismantling from Raquel Pennington. She had the better striking. She knew how to work all the angles. There was no 
you know, there was there was nothing Misha Tate brought to the table that 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 scared Raquel Pennington in any capacity. Which again, it's disheartening to hear to see Misha Tate lose, much less retire with a loss. But you could see on the bench between rounds that she just was not in it. And I said, I said to my wife, I'm like, either she's gonna take time off or she's gonna retire. And as soon as it was over, she retired. And it was, you know, it was unfortunate. You know, Misha Tate, whether you love her or hate her, she she brought a lot to this sport. You know, when we talk about women's mixed martial arts, Misha Tate, Ronda Rousey for Strike Force, and then later on in the UFC, they really created a, a compelling rivalry that made people want to tune in. Even even when Ronda Rousey was dispatching her like this, there was there was always a genuine animosity there. And I think that when there's genuine heat between two opponents. It makes for for just a better experience, better press, better better shenanigans. Um, it was it was crazy. Val says she retired before Dana could fire her. You know what the thing is? Misha Tate is very marketable. You know she's well spoken, um, obviously easy on the eyes. So there was always going to be a future for her because she she's a great ambassador for the sport. I think that. You know, there's a tremendous future for her post fight. But I also felt that in terms of evolution as a fighter, you could see that, you know, Raquel Pennington was on another was on another level. And Misha Tate, even though she had good striking and, you know, she had good, you know, she had good wrestling. The sport has evolved quite a bit to the point where, you know, fighters like Misha Tate, if they're not consistently evolving with the other, you know, with the younger talent, they are going to get, you know, they're going to get they're going to get tossed to the wolves. And I think that's what happened in Misha Tate's case. You know, she went in there. She saw she was getting dismantled round by round. And I think psychologically she was done. I mean, she had issues making weight the last time she was in the title fight. There were there were lots of things. And you could just see that mentally she just wasn't there, really wasn't. But, you know, props to Raquel Pennington. And, um, you know, it's definitely a, 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 a sad a sad day for women's mixed martial arts as Misha Tate retires. You know, it's unfortunate. Now, Chris Weidman, Long Island's own, New York City's own, went in there against Yoel Romero. Uh, Yoel Romero, silver medal Olympian, no joke when it comes to wrestling, a complete monster. And he went out there and he, he you know, Weidman took it to him, but Yoel Romero's a beast. He ended up catching Weidman with a knee, with a jumping knee, it was vicious, and it opened it opened Weidman up like a can of tuna. Weidman was bleeding everywhere. It was it was gruesome. And then you know, even when they were announcing Yoel Romero as the winner, and you know, Weidman still had trouble standing. It was it was a vicious, 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 vicious knockout. Uh, Yoel Romero now in contention to challenge Michael Bisping. Um, Val says that Yoel's going to piss hot again. You never know. Never know. He had he had some uh, supplement issues before. That's for sure. But um, I think if Yoel Romero fights Michael Bisping, and you know he he can defeat Bisping, even though I like Michael Bisping, I think he's a he's a solid fighter. I think Romero's going to um, you know it it was nasty. You know it was it's one of those things where I think Bisping would probably fight Romero, lose, and Bisping would retire. I genuinely think that, but you never know. 
I mean, Bisping has surprised us more times than I care to count, but I think Romero definitely has a shot to defeat him. That's for sure. Now, let's talk about the ladies. Uh, I'm going to, I'm not going to, you know, destroy these ladies' names. So JJ and KK, that's the easiest way. Joanna and Carolina fought uh, both ladies, incredible stand up, previously squared off in, uh, in, on the Polish MMA uh, kickboxing circuit, um, where JJ defeated Carolina. And, um, you know, she, everybody's always talked about who's the most dominant, um, you know, martial artist in Poland, uh, female martial artist in Poland. And Carolina came in. She made a, a really strong case for herself, but JJ is a fucking monster. She is a, uh, she is a beast in every sense of the word. She comes in there. She's fighting like Vanderlei Silva style, just always moving forward, always pressing. And it was, it was a, re, a, a really good performance, but I got to say, uh, Carolina definitely tagged her up a few times. Definitely, uh, showed that there's, there's some vulnerability there, even though, you know, Joanna is, uh, is a dangerous, a dangerous fighter and, and you know, a dangerous champion. Uh, Carolina definitely, you know, got, got a couple of licks in there. So even though JJ ended up winning via unanimous decision, she, she looked really good in that fight, even though she weathered some really tough onslaught and some offense from uh, Carolina. So what a what a performance. I think that was definitely fight of one of the, you know, one of the fights that could have been fight of the night contender for me personally. It went back and forth, but it was it was a stellar, stellar, stellar fight. Now, Tyron Woodley's fight with Steven Wonderboy Thompson was, you know, Tyron Woodley was the heel here in New York City for whatever reason don't know uh but wonder boy i like i like steven wonder boy thompson number one because he comes out to tenacious d's wonder boy which is one of my favorites um but also just because he's a he's a classic he's a classic martial artist he's very humble knows how to how to play the game can fight like a like a madman and he he was in a in some really you know tense situations i mean the choke that tyron woodley had him in was incredibly tight how the hell he didn't, you know, he didn't break his neck trying to get out of it is insane or how how he wasn't choked unconscious is insane. But I got to say, Wonder Boy and Tyron Woodley, the fight ended in a draw. People people were annoyed. You know, Tyron Woodley was pissed off, but you, you kept the belt and you got to give Wonder Boy respect. It's, a, a, you know, a second fight between them is all but guaranteed at this point. And I'm looking forward to it. I think Wonder Boy has... You know, he he can go back in the lab, reset, and he definitely has as good a chance as any to take the belt from Tyron Woodley. But Tyron Woodley is just so freakishly strong that even in the most, you know, elementary of of submissions, he you know, he literally could kill a man. And that's what it was. Like he had he had that that uh that guillotine choke on Wonder Boy super tight. I was like, holy shit, he, you know, Wonder Boy was like fucking purple during during the midst of that it was it was crazy to see and um you know the fight going going to the draw was was fine by me you know because i think that they definitely had moments where each one looked good but wonder boy definitely weathered some incredible offense from tyron woodley that's for damn sure now of course let's talk about the big one history being made eddie alvarez conor mcgregor lightweight title um, 
it was interesting. McGregor utilized his reach to, you know, just completely effective with his reach. And Eddie Alvarez started showing some really good offense in the beginning, some good leg kicks. And I looked at that and I said to myself, you know, he's coming in with the leg kicks and, you know, where's the wrestling? And, you know, that's something I said to myself. I'm like, ah, you know, a lot of people were, you know, even Jimbo Slice said to me, he goes, yo, he goes, why didn't you pick a winner for Alvarez and McGregor? And I said, you know, because it's tough to pick a winner in this instance, because when you look at it, you you say to yourself, if it goes to the ground, Eddie Alvarez's wrestling is top notch. So McGregor definitely losing. If you if you stay standing up, it could go either way. But McGregor definitely has the precision to win. And I'm a fan of both fighters. I've been following Eddie Alvarez since the Bellator days, uh, even when he you know showed up once on Bully Beatdown. So you know I like Eddie. I think the guy the guy's a hard worker. Uh, definitely embodies Philly fighters being you know a bruiser and a, and a tough dude. And McGregor's McGregor. I think that there was there was lots lots to do there. And McGregor used his reach, set it up. Got a, got when he got the first knockdown, we were like, holy shit! I mean. You know, he started a stand and trade and Jimbo Slice said to him, he goes, yo, what the fuck, man? He was killing him with those leg kicks. What happened? And I, you know, I was watching the fight. I had, you know, I had no answer. And McGregor just teed off on him, caught him and made history. And it was without a doubt a, a, a crazy sight. Now, a lot of people ask me, they're like, oh, you know, were, were you pro McGregor or pro Alvarez? or whatever leading up to this fight. And I gotta, I, I'm going to answer this very easily. I was pro MMA. And I say that because I want the sport to succeed, not just for the UFC, but for the other promotions, for those other guys that are out there. I want to see the sport flourish. I want to see the sport do well. I think that there's potential for, for MMA to be, you know, an Olympic sport down the road. I believe that there's potential for mixed martial artists to get better pay down the road obviously not on par with boxing but you know i definitely feel that there's that there's room for improvement and i think that moments like this historic moments at madison square garden even just conor mcgregor as a fighter has changed the landscape of mixed martial arts and i say this because you gotta you gotta look at it this way we went from no rules guys wearing shoes guys wearing geese uh, you know, the the most violent of the violent to seeing three title fights in the Mecca of sports in Madison Square Garden. And for me, I felt that that was a great, it was a great pivot. No, let me rephrase. That it was a great ter- turning point for the sport of MMA. Obviously, we got World Series of Fighting coming into New York soon. I'm sure Bellator's uh, New York debut is imminent. And McGregor making history was tremendous. Obviously, he is now the first fighter in UFC history to be active, an active champion in two weight classes. Does this mean he will defend the belt in both weight classes? Remains to be seen. But still, it is historic. Now, there's a couple of things that came out of that that really, really bothered me personally. First of all, people going out there talking about, oh, Conor McGregor, just as good as Mayweather, blah, blah, blah. You know, all the, listen, and I've said this before, boxing and MMA are two different animals, two different animals. There's different, there's different levels of proficiency. When you look at guys like Floyd Mayweather, 
Manny Pacquiao, Mike Tyson, Triple G, Canelo. You look at these guys. These guys are at the top of their game in their profession because of the work they've put in to get to that stage. Conor McGregor is a great fighter. He is. He is. He is a great fighter. He is also a great businessman. And he's in the position he's in because the UFC hype machine believes in him. And they continue to fuel that machine and fuel that machine and fuel that machine to the point where people are sitting there talking about that. Oh, you know, Conor McGregor's as good as Floyd Mayweather. And of course, Mayweather's like, yo, fuck this guy, blah, blah, blah. I'm tired of the comparisons. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. We shouldn't be sitting here talking about is MMA better than boxing or is boxing better than MMA? Two different sports. Can you be a fan of both? Sure. But I just don't see the logistics in comparing Conor McGregor to Floyd Mayweather. If Floyd Mayweather said tomorrow, hey, I'm going to train MMA and I'm going to come and fight in the UFC or in any other promotion, then we can talk. If Conor McGregor or Anderson Silva or whoever said, hey, I'm going to go and I'm going to train boxing full time and I'm going to do a couple of boxing fights, then then we have something to talk about. But again, everybody sits there and they do the the armchair booking, the arm, the armchair sports analysis at the end of the day, it is two different sports. What Conor McGregor has done for the sport is fantastic. Gets people talking, gets people interested, brings money in. And sure, the guy is brash, outspoken, insane, cocky, whatever you may say. But guys are lining up to fight him because they want to make money. That's what he does. The guy is a draw. You either want to see him get his ass kicked or you want to see him, you know, win a fight. That's all I'm saying. People people sit there and they're like, oh, you know, blah, 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 Mayweather, McGregor, boxing. Listen, when Conor McGregor goes and learns how to, how to, how to fight in a boxing environment and they book a boxing match for him, that's when I will genuinely have something to say. As someone who's a fan of mixed martial arts and a fan of pro wrestling, we always talk about what would happen if X pro wrestler got into MMA or what would happen if X mixed martial artist got into wrestling. But those are those are scenarios. Those are, you know, fantasy booking like anything else. But in terms of people saying that McGregor's a better boxer than Floyd Mayweather, it's just you're comparing apples and oranges. Period. You are comparing apples and oranges. And it frustrates me, you know, when when people do those comparisons and they get so vicious about it, boxing is on another level. It is an established sport that has been an institution for years. And for you to say that, you know, X mixed martial artist is better than X boxer. What what are your what are your grounds? Because he throws some decent hands. OK, good. But again, you take a guy like that and if, and you put him in a boxing match and he gets his ass kicked, you've just ruined that that fighter. Great, you know, I see that Val mentioned CM Punk. The CM Punk story is everything that was wrong that the UFC shouldn't have done. Let me explain. When Randy Couture fought James Tony, James Tony's like, "Oh, you know, I could fight in MMA." And then they go, they bring James Tony in, Randy Couture puts him out of his misery. I honestly, for all the stuff that people said about James Tony and Randy Couture, I genuinely felt that that was a black eye for the sport. I'll tell you why. Because James Tony said, yeah, I could do that. And Dana White was like, okay, sh- prove it. 
Why'd you do that? Why would you do a freak show fight when there's no necessity to do that? You know, like that's that's just how that's just how I see it. Uh, you know, when it comes to the CM Punk situation, same thing. Oh, he's a name. He's going to bring in the audience. You took a guy that hasn't fought in mixed martial arts at all and threw him to the wolves. Because as much as people want to compare him to Brock Lesnar, Brock Lesnar had amateur MMA fights. I believe he had two of them before he came into the UFC and fought Heath Herring, you know, Frank Mir and Heath Herring and those guys before he was even considered for title contention. Again, amateur fights, progression to entry-level competition, progression to top 10 guy, progression to fighting champion, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They took CM Punk and they just threw him to the wolves. That's it. If you wanted to do a reality series about CM Punk's journey to become a UFC fighter, then fuck, you should have just done that. But not only did you, did you just, you know, you put a, again, it's a black eye for the sport. I was, I was excited to see CM Punk fight because I said, eh, maybe he'll, he'll shock us. Maybe he'll surprise us. I mean, when I saw Herschel Walker fight in Strike Force, I said, eh, you know, what's this guy going to do? And Herschel Walker went in there and he fucking blew, you know, blew my mind. I was like, oh shit, this guy's an animal. But again, it's, it's a different environment. We really should not. And I'm being honest. We really should not sit here and try and force these sort of situations. Let boxing fans have boxing. Let MMA fans have MMA. And if there is to be crossover, let a guy go in there and learn and train and do it right. Vice versa. You know, if if Floyd Mayweather said, listen, I want to get into MMA and he went and he started training with, you know, American top team or the black zillions or whatever and went through the process and he got a fight on an amateur card, whether it was World Series of Fighting or Bellator as an, you know, an entry level fight. And then he performed well. And then the UFC said, you know what? We're impressed. Let's bring him in. Then that makes sense. But all these people trying to force these these fights, it's just hurting the legacy and credibility of each person involved. I hate to say it because if you put Conor McGregor in a boxing match and Floyd Mayweather whoops that ass, you essentially just hurt your meal ticket and you exposed a weakness because you just said, listen, you went in there, you talked all this shit. This guy picked you apart in, in, you know, five rounds or whatever the case may be. It's no necessity. Be a fan of your, of your sport and support your sport and help it grow. Stop trying to force all this shit, you know? <laughs> I'm not answering that, Jimbo Slice. But I'm, I'm being serious. You know, let, let, let these guys do what they got to do and stop trying to make up these, these made-up fights. All it does is hurt the credibility of each guy because you build up enough interest and it never, ever delivers. Ever. Ever. Doesn't deliver. As much as we'd love it to, it doesn't. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, let's get into the MMA news of the week, which, of course, as I was saying before, you know, there were, there were some amazing records that were broke courtesy of UFC 205. We don't have pay-per-view numbers yet, uh, but there are a couple of things that we could that we could share with you guys in terms of live gate 17.7 million dollars which is a new ufc record and a new madison square garden record the previous record for the ufc was ufc 129 
which had a $12 million gate uh, with 55,000 people in attendance. That was when GSP took on Jake Shields. In terms of garden attendance, there were 20,247 people in attendance, which was a new domestic record for the UFC in the United States. The previous record was UFC 171 in Dallas, Texas, which had 19,324 people in attendance. With regards to the weigh-ins, 15,480, which was a global UFC record, the largest turnout for weigh-ins. I was part of that number, so I'm proud. Uh, Social media, 14 billion impressions. Uh, The UFC was a hot ticket all across social media, whether it was Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, wherever it was. Everyone was talking about UFC 205, the weigh-ins, etc. In terms of pay-per-view gross, we haven't got those numbers yet. We also did not get fighter salaries because the New York State Athletic Commission does not disclose salaries. But uh, everybody's saying that McGregor made more than the $3 million that he made when he took on Nate Diaz. So be aware, McGregor may have walked out of there with maybe $3, $4 million after, maybe, correction, 4 or $5 million after it was all said and done. In terms of television coverage, Fox Sports 1's prelims had the most viewed prelims in Fox Sports 1 history in the 18 to 49 demographic, which was tremendous. Uh, Fox also had some records of their own 24 million viewers for the fighting for history special, which focused on the UFC 205 card. It was, it was definitely record breaking across the board uh, for all parties involved. And um, I'm, you know, I was glad to be a part of it. Now, in regards to a couple of other things, uh, fight bonuses, $50,000 bonuses were handed out. Conor McGregor got one. Yoa Romero got one. And fight of the night went to Tyron Woodley and Steven Wonderboy Thompson. Uh, definitely, uh, you know, a worthy, a worthy bonus for those guys. But I also felt that the Carolina Joanna fight should have definitely got a fight of the night bonus as well. But what can we do now? Even though UFC 205 was tremendous, it did have its fair share of controversy. Uh, Two fights ended up being pulled from the card. The Tim Kennedy, uh, Rashad Evans fight was pulled from the card. Tim Kennedy uh, was going to be Rashad Evans' middleweight debut. But according to some tests, you know, some pre-fight testing, uh, they noticed something weird going on with Rashad Evans, and they opted to pull him from the card as the New York State Athletic Commission did not want to license him. Uh, In terms of what it was specifically, there's been conflicting reports, but I'm hoping by the next time we do MTR, I can get to the bottom of it. But nonetheless, that was a a very big fight that was pulled from the card. Also, Donald Cerrone was scheduled to face Kelvin Gastelum, and um, turns out that Gastelum did not make weight. He was supposed to fight at 170, and I believe he was between 10 and 20 pounds over is what I've heard. And he didn't even step on the scales for the weigh-ins. Dana White, extremely angry. Obviously, they had to scrap the fight. Donald Cerrone ends up now fighting uh, later on. I believe it's UFC 206. And I'll give you guys those matchups in a few minutes. But Gastelum will not be fighting ever again at 170. Whatever fight he takes now will have to be at 185. So definitely some controversy there. Also, Post-fight controversies, uh, Conor McGregor said that now that he has won both belts, uh, his girlfriend, uh, his long-term girlfriend is having a child and he may be taking some time off to be a dad. 
in addition, the other thing that got everybody buzzing was that Conor McGregor said that he would like a piece of ownership within the UFC. Now that he has a child on the way, he wants to secure that child's future. This raised a lot of eyebrows and caused a lot of interesting conversation. And I want to say this. When the UFC was sold and it was acquired by WMG, the you know the reports came out that the UFC had minority owners comprised of various celebrities from Conan O'Brien to Tom Brady. Uh, you know, it was a who's who, which I talked about on a previous episode of MTR. And he's saying that he would like a chance to have ownership. He said, um, and I quote, they've got to come talk to me now because no one's came and talked to me since the sale has happened as a businessman. I've been approached as hello and that type of stuff. And I've earned something who owns the company. Now people have salaries. Uh, people have shares, sorry, uh, celebrities. Conan O'Brien owns the UFC now. Where's my share? Where's my equity? If I'm the one that's bringing this in, they've got to come talk to me now. I've got both belts, family on the way. If you want me to stick around, if you want me to keep doing this, let's talk. But I want the ownership now. I want the equal share. I want what I deserve, what I've earned. And it raises some compelling questions. And let me explain. You have a guy that, to Val's point, who just said it in the chat, is holding two weight classes hostage. Not only that, but he is also the biggest draw in your sport. Where do you draw the line in terms of employee-employer? As the guy who's the largest draw, now is champion in two divisions, and has brought in record-breaking gates and 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 a variety of UFC cards, where do you draw the line? Now, In terms of fighters owning stakes in the company, I think it's an interesting arrangement if they opted to do that because it allows fighters to have a voice in how the company is run. The only problem is that if you do it for one, what's going to stop a guy like GSP or a guy like, you know, John Jones or someone like Ronda Rousey from saying, hey, I want ownership in the company too. And it, it, it creates an interesting situation and also a conflict of interest because not only are you an active fighter, but you also own a stake in the company. I don't know how the UFC or, or their, you know, their owner, their owners plan to address that, but it's creating a lot of, a lot of crazy scenarios that can really turn the tide and change the way that business is done. Because right now, Dana White has said, oh, Conor McGregor is going to have to vacate a belt, blah, 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 blah. And Conor McGregor's like, you're going to have to pry this belt from my cold, dead hands. So there's there's a lot of conflict there. Like I said, and, and like Val reiterated in the chat, the guy is holding two weight classes hostage. And even if he defends both belts, you know, what are you going to do? One title defense every eight months? Because you got to do training camp. You got to prepare. If you come out of the fight with damage, you got to take time off until you're medically cleared and then resume training. It's it's insane. Now, here's here's a compromise and again, I don't, you know, I don't I don't have any sort of inside knowledge, but here's what you do. All right. You got two belts. Connor, you're going to defend your featherweight title against, you know, Jose Aldo and you're going to defend your lightweight title against Khabib. Done. Oh, when is this one happening? When is that one happening? Well, this one's going to happen X and this one's going to happen Y. And if he says, oh, you know, blah, 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 I don't want to do it. Well, you're going to have to vacate one. But at the end of the day, 
he's still an employee for the organization. And for him to say, oh, I don't want to fight this guy or I don't want to fight that guy or, you know, why don't I fight this guy? It it really hurts the credibility of the organization when you have this guy saying, oh, I'm going to fight this guy next. Like right now, his coaches and even Conor McGregor have said that they would like to fight Nate Diaz at lightweight and do a third fight for the title. And again, even though people are going to tune in and everybody's going to get excited, do we really need that? Is that something we really need? Nate Diaz and McGregor a third time when Khabib and, um, you know, and Tony Ferguson both have legitimate claims at the lightweight title. Yes, Khabib, not as marketable. Yes, Tony Ferguson, maybe not. But at the end of the day, those are the guys that statistically on paper should be fighting for the title. But because you want to make, you know, these huge paydays, now all of a sudden Nate Diaz is in the conversation. No disrespect. I, I'm a I'm a I'm a Diaz fan, but it's like, what do you do with a guy that is 23 and 0, now 24 and 0? You tell that guy that you got to take a back seat to this guy because this guy's gonna make more money. Again, I understand it from a business perspective, but what that's gonna end up doing is you're gonna force fighters to ask the million dollar question, which is when does my record mean anything when I'm not the guy that's putting asses in seats. And that's a problem because if you go in there and you bust your ass and you get a five fight win streak or a six fight winning streak or whatever, and then all of a sudden the guy that, you know, throws a couple of middle fingers or says some catchy shit is challenging for the belt. It devalues the work that you're putting in the blood, the sweat that you're putting in, in every training camp and in every gym. And this is the problem that I've talked about on previous episodes that I've said. The UFC has created a monster that they cannot control. They got a guy that is now a champion in two weight classes, brings in a fuckload of money, and picks and chooses who he wants to fight. Not good. Not good. You know, Val says Nate ain't saying anything catchy, though. He's not, but, you know, giving a middle finger, you know, just just being Nate Diaz. Like, that's enough which is which is not not good. You know, like that's the thing. Like Nate Diaz is just being a Diaz. You know, like they like it's like, "Oh, that's going to make us money." It's like, "Yeah, but what about the guy who's fucking 24 and 0? What do you tell that guy? What do you tell Jose Aldo, who is the interim champion after defeating Frankie Edgar? You know? What do you tell that guy? "Oh, you can't do it because, you know, you lost in 13 seconds." Okay, but I also defeated Frankie Edgar. It's um, Jimbo Slice says until someone exposes him for what he truly is, not a good or great fighter. And, you know, I'm going to take what he said and I'm going to add to that in the sense of Conor McGregor's riding an amazing wave of momentum and, and fate has been kind. Obviously, you know, training, technique, ability are there, but you got to look at it from the perspective of where are you going to draw the line? And, you know, to Jimbo Slice's point, yeah, somebody has to expose him, you know, but it's like Jimbo, Jimbo is, is onto something because remember Nate Diaz beat McGregor, choked him out and everybody was like, okay, he lost. Then all of a sudden, nobody said, Hey, McGregor, you got to defend that belt that you're carrying around. Oh no, I want to fight Nate again, run it back. And before you know it, we got that second fight and the belt just hung out. You know, the featherweight title just collected fucking dust. And, you know, Nate Diaz exposed a flaw. 
He didn't expose McGregor as a fighter. Let me explain. We know McGregor has no ground game. And if he does, he sure as fuck isn't using it. On top of the fact that he got choked unconscious. Okay, well, you know, he got choked out. Yes, he did that. And then he came back and beat Nate Diaz in, in a decision victory, which, again, he beat Nate Diaz. It was a decision. He didn't beat him clean. In other words, he didn't knock him out. He didn't tap him out. You, you, you won because the judges felt generous that day. These are all questions that, that get raised. And I hate to say it. You're a champ in two divisions. Go defend your belts and let the matchmakers make the matches. Stop worrying about, oh, this guy doesn't make money. Like, okay, you're worried, you're worried that Khabib may not, may not be a draw or he may get injured. Okay, let him get injured. If Khabib is your next opponent and he gets injured, well, he goes to the back of the line and XYZ guy steps up. Or if, you know, there's, a, there's an injury on the, on the featherweight side, then XYZ guy steps up on featherweight. That's it. But don't, don't dictate who you're going to fight. It's insane. You know, it's it, it, Nate Diaz. And, you know, I, I joked about this with Kimbo, with, uh, with Kimbo, with Jimbo Slice about when Diaz and McGregor's fight was over, they hugged like Hail Hydra. And it was pretty much they hugged because they both knew they were getting fucking paid. And that's it. That's all it is. This is a money game. And at the end of the day, your record doesn't mean shit if you can't put any money in there. You know, it's it's unfortunate because, like I said, you're hurting the guys that really just want to go in there, fight and become a champion, not create a business or a legacy or a franchise like fucking McDonald's. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, I could beat this up for 10,000 for 10,000 years. So let's go through it. Um, John Jones, which ended up having a suspension thrown his way last week is now officially suspended for one year. Uh, because of that, the UFC has um, suspended him. And uh, well, let me rephrase that. The UFC has stripped him of the interim light heavyweight title. Not a shocker there. Nobody gives a shit. I don't. Um, it's like John Jones has done enough at this point that, you know, he, <laughs> he's not doing himself any favors. In any case, John Jones, one year suspension, stripped of the interim title, and I'm sure that John Jones will not be uh, contributing to any main events for the near future. Meanwhile, uh, the real light heavyweight champion, Daniel Cormier, will be facing Anthony Rumble Johnson December 10th at UFC Toronto. Donald Cerrone, as I said, is on that card taking on the immortal Matt Brown. So, um, you know, one, one, one lightweight, one light heavyweight title gets put on the shelf and the real light heavyweight title gets defended. In any case, I think UFC, um, UFC 206 is going to be another stellar card. Like I said, great fights. Max Holloway, Anthony Pettis, uh, Valerie Latourno and Viviane Perea. Uh, Rustam Kabilov is on that fight. Cub Swanson. Um, I really, I really hope that we, you know, it's funny. Val says, I hope Rumble knocks this wrestling, his wrestling fucking head off. Uh, I really would like to see Anthony Johnson get the belt. I think he's got the tools and would make a great champion. But um, who knows? We'll see. Also, as I said before, Rashad Evans, Tim Kennedy now added to the UFC 206 card. So that's going to be a great fight as well. All right. That last bit of news is going to wrap up the MMA segment for this week. We're going to switch gears and jump into some wrestling. Let's get to it. We're going up tonight to keep going every night. To get in, we want to get in. 
Before I get into that, I got a communique from Jimbo Slice that said, real fighters fight anyone, any place, and any time because they want to prove they are the best. And I have to say, he is 100% correct. That's for damn sure. All right. Wrestling-wise, we got lots to get into. We got the Raw and SmackDown before this weekend Survivor Series. We got Goldberg, Brock Lesnar face-off, which was... Uh, it was <laughs> it was it was definitely interesting. I know that uh, Captain Quark said he was going to call in as well. Before I get into what I thought of Raw, I got to say once again we got a big pay per view. Not even a, a small potatoes pay per view like Hell in the Cell or whatever. Big top four pay per view in Survivor Series. And while the buildup has been good, I again felt that the Raw going in was subpar. I actually thought SmackDown was slightly better for a couple of reasons. Obviously, you know, the return of The Undertaker, seeing Edge, there were, there were a lot of good things there versus Raw, which was let's put together all these makeshift tag matches and just fill up three hours of TV. And this episode of Raw reinforced something that I was thinking about a couple of weeks back and I didn't mention, but I'm going to mention now. We do not we do not need three hours for Raw. We don't. We don't need three hours. That's 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 the, the you know that's the uh the 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 long and short of it. We do not need three hours of Raw. It really is a fucking chore to watch. Three hours of Raw, it's um it's insane. It really is insane. I felt that when Raw was two hours, it was condensed. It was good. We had some good stuff going on. We had some good angles. Now it just feels like there's so much filler that, again, it, it, you know, it's one of those things where, and I've said this before, you got five hours of TV. You got Raw. You got SmackDown. Five hours. And we spend so much time on Raw with lame segments. We could have seen... You know, all this bullshit, it was it was really ridiculous. I'm going to bring Cork in. We're going to get into Raw, maybe do some Survivor Series predictions, and uh, go from there. Captain Quark. Live from Buried City. How are you today? What's going on, my friend? Welcome back. Uh, long long hiatus from the, the mic stand. I hope it's still at my shops, or I might be buried myself tonight. There you go. Well, you were you were extremely vocal to me about how subpar you felt Raw was. And um, before I before I ask you why that is, do you um, answer me this? Do you feel that Raw being three hours is a big part of that? Uh, yeah, I, I think it has to do with probably the writing also. I mean, NXT is only an hour and I struggle to get through that sometimes, uh, most times, actually. Um, but with the, the SmackDown, it, you have less stars. But you just have more of a concise package. You're having main events in Raw at like 10 o'clock. You're having a bunch of, of these sloppily put-together matches. You have titles that don't mean anything. Honestly, it wasn't my job in a sense. I wasn't a, a diehard fan. I, I, I would miss it, too. It, Raw is becoming the most missable show on Monday nights. Now, answer me this. Are you, do, you, are, do you have a DVR? Are you fast-forwarding? Like, How are you, or are you genuinely sitting through the full three hours live? I mean, I, I never DVR Raw because I know how I am. And probably how a lot of people on the internet are. They're going to want to look, look up spoilers. Like, when you're really into it, what happens if you're on Facebook and, oh, something gets spoiled. I don't know, fucking CM Punk comes back. And, and I want to see that shit live. You know, I don't want, <laughs> I don't want some, some neckbeard 
on a Facebook group spoiling CM, CM Punk's return. Right. You know? So, you know, I, I sit through all that shit, sadly, live. I, I'm, like, conditioned, like a, like a battered wife to sit through this, this three-hour live product. Now, with that said, do you, do you agree with what I've been saying about how the final Raws before pay-per-views are just becoming a complete shit show nowadays? Like, they don't even try anymore. Oh, they're, fu- they're weak. They're weak. They're not, they're not, it's almost, the way I look at it, they're no longer selling you on a product. You know, back, back before the network, you know, back before you had to, you know, um, get, get streams or you actually had to pay, you know, 50 bones for a, for, for a pay-per-view, man, they sold the shit out of, out of that product. Right. But I now agree. It's, it's, it's like a, I don't know, it's more of a fucking recap episode. It's like a, the Brady Bunch recap episode of how, like, Cousin Oliver got lost in a well. It's how Roman Reigns got his groove back or some shit. Well, you know what? It's just a recap show to get someone like hyped up for the pay per view, but without like selling you on it. Well, that's the thing. I said to myself, you know, WWE already wins because they got your ten dollars for the network. So whether you watch Raw or not, Raw's not on the network anyway. So it's not like oh, I gotta I gotta watch Raw on the network. They know that whether you watch it live or DVR, they know that come Sunday night at seven thirty, they already got you. So I kind of feel that well, this, they're the complacent. Thing is, Survivor Series, it's, it's four hours long, isn't yep. it? It's yeah, it's four hours. Four hours fucking long in a pre-show and a post-show. Your ass is in that lazy boy for five fucking hours. Yep. Is that enough? It's true. I agree. For what? Like, do we need a talk show and a pre-show and a post-show? I don't. I feel that it is overkill, and I kind of feel that they've been going through the motions. I almost feel that with Survivor Series and the whole Raw versus SmackDown dynamic, the creative team has essentially taken a fucking vacation. Because think about it. You don't really got to focus on the feuds because it's just, oh, Raw hates SmackDown. SmackDown hates Raw. Done. (laughs) Yeah, like, you have have these... We're going to get to this later, but you have moments where, you know, the writing is so lost in the Raw versus SmackDown. You have Bailey. you know, she's basically the female John Cena participating in a final five beatdown. Yep. I mean, a 501 beatdown. Right. How, you know, how are we supposed to get behind the face? It's like if John Cena, you know, came out smoking a cigarette and like burned it on Jerry Lawler's corpse. But you know what it is? We've come, we've come such a long way with that stuff. Like I was watching it this week and I'm like, I get it. You know, there's certain things that they try to, they try, what they try to do is they try to sneak things in there in the hopes that ah, if it doesn't work, people won't give a shit about it. Case in point, Bo Dallas. It's like, oh, Sami Zayn is going to take on Bo Dallas. Why? Like, like I'm being honest. It's like, I understand Stephanie McMahon, quote unquote, hates Sami Zayn, according to, you know, the writers. But here's one. Why? Why does she hate him? Because he's positive? Because he has catchy music? Like, I don't get it. You know, like, like that's the shit. Like, she, when she said to him, she's like, I hate you. I hate your stupid music. I hate your stupid hat. I hate your stupid jacket. I'm like, okay, then clearly, why is he? Why'd you draft him if you fucking hate him? Like, think about it. Why? I don't understand. You know, no, Stephanie, Stephanie, she, she wanted Rusev in the IC title. Right. This motherfucker's been losing for four months to Roman Reigns, who she also hates. The guy who sells more merch and wins more matches than Rusev. Right. But, but, but again, it's like, oh, Rusev is going to take on Sami Zayn to try and, and create a story. Okay, no problem. But why is he fighting Bo Dallas this week? Because all of a sudden, Bo Dallas... Oh, he's undefeated. Th- right. Like why? <laughs> Something. Or he's, it's his gimmick now. But I like. It's almost Bo Dallas's gimmick was that he was t- like he was no longer positive, 
it was just built up to be thrown away in a match against Sami Zayn that no one watched. Yep. That was the piss break match of the night. Yep. And then the other thing that's crazy is, you know, they're trying to create all these these mint, these micro stories. Oh, Braun Strowman, you know, you're going to face your boy, Bray Wyatt, who brought you into the company, and he's <laughs> going to be on the other side, and he's going to be the enemy. And I said to myself, I would laugh my ass off if Bray Wyatt... Braun Strowman and Randy Orton just whooped everyone's ass and the match never never even took took place. Like the Wyatt family <laughs> just destroyed Survivor again. Series. Yeah, they, they just they just cleared the ring, but then like, like they never talk about it again. It's non-canon. Yep. Or or Dean Ambrose turns and him and the him, Rollins and Reigns just kill everyone. You know, they just whoop everyone's ass and the shield uh, essentially reunites. Well, it is fantasy warfare come to life. This is so true. Don't be surprised. Well, here's here's what I got to say with that, though. Everybody's saying, oh, you know, it'd be cool if the shield came back, if the shield came back, if the shield came back. And I said, I said to myself, how how little do you believe in these guys on their own when you're wishing for them to be back together as a group? Like, I'll be honest. Years later. Yeah. Bringing the shield back together is only good because it gets to hide all of Roman Reigns weaknesses on the microphone. And it actually makes Dean Ambrose somewhat relevant. Because I'm sorry, even though Dean Ambrose is quote unquote the face of SmackDown, who really gave a shit about Dean Ambrose's title reign and 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 his stupid program with with Chinless? <laughs> People only care about Dean right now because he's in this and it, the, the James Ellsworth storyline. You know, despite what it's kind of getting old, it did work. It, it made Dean more interesting, right? But so they it ran it too long. To Dean, yeah, Dean almost only works when he's in a he's in like a duo or a trio. I mean, right. you know, when he was feuding with Seth. You could still kind of think that as like a duo. Two work so well together. Right. Him and AJ, man. I mean, this has been going on so long. I can't do it anymore. AJ Styles and Dean Ambrose are not John Cena and AJ Styles. The two. Right. It's almost like Dean is like still in that hole that that Cena can't do because he's not there. On top of the fact that even still, they're like, oh, you know, Styles and 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 Ambrose are going to resolve their differences at TLC, and I'm like, okay, but TLC is not even happening anytime soon, so. Why should we care? <laughs> you know, like, like there was any, it's not even like Dean Ambrose started hitting him with tables and chairs last week, you know, or they're like, Oh, TLC. Like they didn't even do that cheapo buildup that they've done before. Uh, it was, it was completely an issue with all the, all the wrestling pay-per-views you've had, you know, it's almost like TLC, Hell in a Cell. Nah, fuck them. We, we got, we got survivor series. We're going to hype up survivor series, meaning no one gave a shit about the raw Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, meaning no one cares about TLC because it's all about Survivor Series, Maggle. Yep, that's it. That's it. And you, and you know, it's funny because it's like, oh yeah, we got cruiserweights, but we're only going to just have Brian Kendrick out every week or tag team matches. Like, why can't just regular cruiserweights have one on one matches? Like, I was annoyed about that. Like, I know that they wanted to do it last week to bring Noam Dar onto onto TV, which was fine because they were in Scotland and it was cool. But I'm like, why can't just these guys have regular one on one matches? Well, I, I, three hours isn't enough. If you exactly. Want, you got to watch another product, 205. Yep. So now, wh- wh- how many hours of just WWE entertainment do we have to watch a week? Six hours? Not not including NXT and pay-per-views? Right. Include that. It's over 10 hours a week. That's a Precise. fucking work day. Yep. And here's here's the other thing. Brock Lesnar and, and Goldberg's confrontation. Um, I got to say, Heyman's mic work, as always, fucking stellar. Goldberg, it's like... Uh-huh. I'm looking forward to seeing that match Sunday just to see what they can actually pull out of Goldberg because 
people have been saying that he's not even doing regular wrestling training. Like he's just been doing like MMA training, which I've seen. You know, I've seen a lot of that on on okay. Instagram and stuff. And I said to myself, if these guys go out there and they have essentially a shoot fight, it might be kind of cool. But if they go out there and they try to wrestle and Brock Lesnar starts dropping Goldberg on his fucking bean, he's going to kill that guy. Honestly, I, I wish I'm hoping like right before the, the, the match, they just announce it. It's a, it's a no DQ fall counts anywhere. Last man standing match. Yeah. Then you just got to fight. It's, and yeah, that had the fight. They could be in the, the streets of, uh, of, of Toronto, you know, fighting in the snow, you know, Brock can like grow his beard out and be the mountain man. Like he, like he is sometimes and then they can just go to town. Like hell, you can even like, pre-film segments at like uh, Brock Lesnar's house. Just have him beat the shit uh, all across the city. Yep. I think the problem is it's they built this up and what happened was the story took on a life of its own. In other words, it's like, hey. It's fancy warfare come to life. Yeah, no, no, but you know what it is? It's like, hey, Goldberg, <laughs> well, Goldberg's going to be in the game. Okay, cool. Hey, do you think Goldberg may come back for another match? Nah. And then all of a sudden he's like, yeah, I'll do another match. And they're like, fuck. <laughs> Like that's what happened. It's like it's like, hey Goldberg, you want to go promote this game? You're on the cover, pre-order bonus. He's like, yeah, sure, no problem. You know, get a little paycheck, whatever. And then all of a sudden, it's like, hey Goldberg, Legends deal. He's like, yeah, sign me up. Then it's like, Vince is like, you think he'd come back for another match? And you know, Triple H is probably like, nah, Usually, right? They're like drunk at a bar at two a.m. Triple H is like, nah, nah, nah. I don't want to. I don't want him back. And then Goldberg's like, yeah, I'll do it. And Triple H is just like, fuck because <laughs> that's that's really how i took it because if you look at it goldberg is one of those guys that you know vince is all like yeah we need this dude on tv it, you know we need this guy and etc cetera, etc cetera. and like jimbo slice just said the only reason people are interested is because they think it's going to be a real fight it's like you damn well uh -huh. know these guys like like don't get me wrong brock lesnar's all about making people do blade jobs on pay-per-view but you know goldberg's not taking the l coming back for one match for his kid come on you're really gonna tell me that now goldberg is gonna beat beat the undefeated streak of brock lesnar i think that they're gonna do it through they're gonna throw shenanigans in there that's what i think Sh I th shenanigans yep i think I, we're gonna have i can't see it happening i think we're gonna get some sort of a run-in some sort of something or other hey you never know maybe the lights will go out and the undertaker will come and tombstone goldberg <laughs> <laughs> then we get Goldberg and Undertaker at WrestleMania, and everybody and every and the crowd goes uh, goes home happy. There has to be at least one run in. If I don't get my Sting run in, my yearly Sting run in, I will be uh, highly upset. You know what the thing is, and and this will be a good way to to wrap up Raw and go into SmackDown. Smack Raw was essentially let's make all the guys that are on the teams either fight each other or work together like that. That Enzo and and Kaz match. Um, I mean, and yeah, Enzo and Kaz and, and the, um, you know, fucking what used to be the Bullet Club taking on the Golden Truth and Shining Stars was complete dog shit, which, by the way, why has nobody ever said anything about the fact that Goldust is essentially wearing blackface every Monday? <laughs> Has has no one, our truth like if he, he if he has his one black friend it's like not racist to Vince's mind I don't know I don't know but but I I was looking at that and I said I said to my wife I'm like you notice gold does usually just wore a bunch of gold paint with you know black highlights and like now he's like essentially wearing blackface with our truth and I'm this like true. nobody notices this like I'm like nobody I, I said I'm like yo he is legit wearing blackface. And my wife just starts laughing. True. And I'm like, yo, this motherfucker. And then you know Vince is probably like, 
Why don't you paint yourself half and half? No one will notice. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, Vince, we can't do that. Can't do that. Before he finishes the sentence, all right, all right, all right. Just paint himself up real quick. Yep. Like, you know, truth is like, truth is like, it's okay, Goldie. I'm your black friend. Yo, one. Yo, yo, one black friend. Uh, it's it, I. I just I watched that match and I genuinely cringed. I said to myself, "I'm like, this is gonna be a shitty match." And fuck, was well, it the, bad? The, the, the whole show, the whole show is full of horrendous matches. And like the first match of the show, it pretty much summed up why Raw sucks shit through a straw. It was Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns versus um. Sheamus and Cesaro. Right. This this one match pretty pretty much encapsulated all of why I can't stand Raw. So basically, well, I pretty much did like more of an analysis than I fucking should have. One, why are Sheamus and Cesaro still tagging together? Right. He should seem like a fucking idiot. He should be looking himself in the mirror every day, crying that he had these two guys essentially kill each other in seven matches, puts them in a tag team, and then they don't win. And shouldn't he be pissed? That Mick didn't give them a title rematch? Correct. They knew they cheated the win. Correct. They don't like each other. Why are they still hanging out? Yep. It doesn't make sense. And then, the word, you're just trying to build these two as legitimate competition. First off, I always have a problem with, with two tag teams. A tag team should not get beaten by two randomly paired up single stars, including two guys who fucking hate each other. Why did yep. Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens beat two guys who are supposed to be an established tag team? Yep. But Kevin Owens is barely in the match. So Roman Reigns went over two of these fuckers single-handedly. Yep. Single-handedly. Nope, you're it's right. It's been three years. How is this fucker still over? And everyone keeps saying, oh, Roman's not that bad. You have all you have Chris Jericho, all these stars going on their podcasts, man. People have a, a reason to hate Roman Reigns. Not that we hate Roman Reigns. It's come the fuck on with this. Yep. I liked him for that one week when he took the L to Balor. But this motherfucker, is, he's coming out first. He's getting the champion treatment against Kevin Owens. And he's taking on Sheamus and Cesaro, laying pretty much laying the dead corpse of Kevin Owens on top of the body of Sheamus or, or fucking Cesaro. Who cares? Yep. But they won. He won single handedly, and this is the problem. Yep, I agree. I think that what they did was they're like, "Hey, we're going to take these these two guys. We're going to put them together." And I said to myself, "Okay, you're going to put them together, maybe because they hate each other, and all of a sudden they're going to turn it up another gear and they're going to get on the same page, which we've seen happen. If you remember." If you were watching it or if you've seen old videos, they, they did something similar with Chris Benoit and Kurt Angle where they hated each other. They competed against each other. And then they put them in a tag team. And then all of a sudden, these fucking guys turned it to another gear. And it was suplexes galore and dudes getting dropped on their dome. And everybody went crazy. And I kind of feel that that's what I thought we were going to get with Sheamus and Cesaro. But what ends up happening is Sheamus just ends up getting clowned by everybody including his own tag team partner. And they've accomplished to your point, donut Jack and shit. They're a worse version of, of that team you mentioned and team. Hell no team. Hell no hated each other the entire time. Yep. They fucking won that. that dudes, you're right. Also show any, any, any sign of even teaming up a, a single fist bump during a battle Royale does not make for friendship. Nope. And that was the thing that got me. And, and, I, oh and I'm with God. you. I also felt that at the end of the night, we knew that both teams were going to square off. I knew it was going to happen. You could see it a mile away. But the thing that got me was that it took like 15 minutes for Dean Ambrose to decide to punch someone in the face. I'm like, oh, all right, then I guess we're going to stand here. We're going to point out (laughs) all of our all of each each other's flaws, you know, like 
Seth Rollins like, <laughs> me and Roman Reigns, when we're together, we're unstoppable. Really? Last time I checked, it was Roman Reigns and You're Dean Ambrose. Yeah, it, it was like you, you, were, you were killing him dead every week. All of a sudden now, together, we're unstoppable. I'm like, really? I'm like, good job. Well, and all, it's or, fantasy warfare becomes reality. Or here, here's not, another it's one. It's canon dude. I, I really don't <laughs> think Survivor Series isn't canon. None of this shit <laughs> is going to matter after Survivor Series. We're going to wake up. It's going to be like a fucking fever dream. Randy Orton's out the Wyatt. Dean Ambrose is the champ again. And The Miz, the Miz is back over to Raw. It, 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 nothing, nothing matters. It's not fucking real. It's a video game. <laughs> We're going to wake up and Vince McMahon is going to be laying in his bed oh, in, in, in a cold sweat. Look over at, at Linda and she's like, what's the matter? I just had this terrible dream. And he walks to his fucking room, turns on his Xbox, Xbox One and starts playing 2K17 and starts playing the matches we just saw. Oh my Look God. It, you heard it here, folks, live on the Buried Show. Oh my God. I, um, I just, when I looked at that, I said, all of a sudden, Braun Strowman who is on a tear, just hates Bray Wyatt for no reason. Like, Bray Wyatt's like, I yeah, made you. Fuck? It's like, I made you. It's like, dude, the only thing that broke you guys up was this thing called the draft. <laughs> like, you should be mad at, yeah. I don't know, <laughs> the GMs. <laughs> Stephanie Bla- and uh, Stephanie's even the one who says, he's the one who abandoned you. Yep. Since when? Since when? Since like, when? Since the draft? Since <laughs> who? <laughs> And then <laughs> what the fuck the mandatory draft? Yeah, exactly. I mean, looking at looking at SmackDown Live, I felt that SmackDown was a stronger show. We knew we knew that somebody was going to invade. In this case, it was the Divas. By the way, I don't know who said it was a good idea to have Nia Jax wear a T-shirt and tie it like a belly shirt while wearing spandex pants. I don't know who told her that was That's good. Sad. I'm like, yo, why do you always not, make not this okay. poor chick dress like Grimace? Like why? I don't know. I, I think I, like they need to take a they gotta take a, a a page out of Amazing Kong. Yep, I agree. Flat the fuck out. Yep. It's like they don't like. It's like they don't like. They're trying to dress all these women. Bigger girls have to wear di- different size clothing. Every different size humans have to. Yep. Crazy, <laughs> right? Like it's like no. Nope. It's, like, it's, it's like they're trying to dress her in fucking Charlotte's clothes. Yep. And you know what? You know what was funny? They um like Dana Brooke was out there for that for that little divas melee, and I'm like. So I guess Dana Brooks is the James Ellsworth of the women's of the women's team because Dana Brooke is there for no reason <laughs> other than being a mascot and moral support and carrying Charlotte's bags. Like I thought about it, I'm like, all the people I are there she's on the team. No, it, that's the whole point. I'm like, she's not. Like, how's Dana Brooke not on the team and Alicia Fox is? I'm like, I don't know. My God, we're gonna have a page run and page to be dressed as Sting. she's gonna be dressed as sting shit she's the same color as sting's face paint now (laughs) val just said they don't know how to deal with big girls this is true now they don't uh uh, a a few things i gotta say kalisto defended you know defeating oni lorkin i said to myself way to way to just automatically give up that you're sending the cruiserweights to smackdown because they're filming 205 live when they do smackdown well, I, I, I heard an interesting, uh, I guess like a fucking tidbit or something. Right. I guess like the two shows aren't like super far away. Yep. Which, I, mean, I don't know how the hell they're going to fit uh, all the cruiserweights on SmackDown. I honestly think SmackDown's a, a pretty well-stacked show. Even with all the, we've seen, how many times have we seen Miz and Ziggler? They're this still is managing true. to make all these feuds fresh. Yep. But, you know, Raw, you can barely get these fuckers on it. So, I mean, I do not want to see what Raw's going to turn into without have, have, almost half their roster. I mean, at least 10 or 15 guys. 
it, it almost it worries me a little bit because I mean probably what we got twenty minutes, thirty minutes of, of cruiserweight action or at least promo right. time. I mean Brian Kendrick time. You know, I don't know what the fuck we're gonna do for the rest of that time. Well they're gonna they're gonna probably start they're gonna probably do angles on SmackDown and maybe one or two matches and then just use it to plug two oh five live, which they end up giving I believe it's gonna be after SmackDown on Tuesdays on the network. So that third hour, man. You got you got three hours of Raw, three yep. hours of SmackDown, NXT pay per views. That's a that's a that's a commitment right there. I got to tell you the uh, the the multi the multi team tag match. I, I said to myself first of all, I'm like really the Spirit Squad is now a thing. Then my second observation was the Headbangers really. And lastly, when did when did Fandango and Tyler Breeze essentially become Zoolander and fucking uh, Owen Wilson? I'm like, when did that happen? When did they become like strippers? <laughs> it was, I guess, it was on the the um, the YouTube channel. I guess or I was. It was. I, I, I don't know. It's fantasy warfare. It's some bullshit. <laughs> I don't know. And on top, costume in the game. I gotta say, it was cool seeing Edge back. I kind of felt, and you know, some people may disagree with this. I kind of feel Edge would have made as good of a GM, if not better, than Daniel Bryan. Oh. My God! Can we talk about the, the? Did you watch the State of the Union? Yes. The, the wrestling one. Holy shit! Your comment about Edge, man, that segues us right into that. Overall, SmackDown, great show. Even if you take out the Undertaker yep. and Edge, great show. And I thought that Shane McMahon was going to give up My his God. slot, and Undertaker was going to join Team SmackDown. Essentially, Undertaker came out, and he was Debo from Friday. You motherfuckers better win. <laughs> I was like, really? That was it. Like, like I looked well, at it. I'm, I'm I hoping. Like, I'm hoping. It was. It was weird. Like I was like, really? You just came out there and you deboed these guys? Like, okay. <laughs> or else, or you will rest. Just throwing his catchphrase out, collecting his, his million dollar check and leaving. That's it. It was like arrive. It was like arrive. Take 15 minutes to get to the ring. Cut promo. Leave. <laughs> like that was it. It's like cash a check and a leave. New shirt. Seriously. Now. Well. It, Based on what Taker said, it sounded like he was coming back at least for a, a tiny run, and his like threat made it seem like, yo, whoever fucks this up, I'm coming after. Well, they said that they were going to work a program with Undertaker and AJ Styles. That was the rumor. And I said to myself, if you, tru- you truly want to expose how old The Undertaker is, is putting him in a match with AJ Styles. Oh, that's the only way to get that John Cena match, though. That Cena Undertaker match. Ugh. You have Undertaker have one last run as the champion. Ugh, I I don't even want to see that because as much as John Cena is, it gets the job done in the ring. The Undertaker's just not built for that shit anymore. No, he is not. He is not. Now, He's a dead man. <laughs> literally. Now, I kind of want to go through just a couple of wrestling news before we get these predictions out of the way. Um, interesting thing. WWE is going to be cutting back on pay-per-views allegedly in 2017. According to a uh, couple of different websites, they were saying that the company was looking to uh, do a couple of less shows uh, right now. Before it's said and done, they're going to run 15 pay-per-views this year, including five network exclusive events. Think that. Think about that. 15. I'll see. Okay. That's to me. I like that a lot better than right now. It's what? 18. No, I, like I think now it's more. 15. Oh, yeah, cut it back. Right now it's 15? That's what they're saying. No, it, it, it's, it, it used to be, well, right now it was the 12 ones we always get plus seven new ones. So before it was 18. If they're cutting back to, which is, I mean, or three, and you get like these five, probably like mini specials, I'm okay with that. 
I like the specials, honestly. I think that, you know, Raw and, Raw and SmackDown having their own pay-per-views and them culminating with the big four are fine. But we don't need, you know, much like Val just said in the chat, the the overabundance of gimmick pay-per-views. Like, I'm sorry. Like I said a couple no. of weeks back, if you're going to do Hell in the Cell, the pay-per-view, all the matches should take place inside Hell in the Cell, like TNA does when they do their uh-huh. theme pay-per-views. Is it right? Is it wrong? I don't know, but at least stick with the theme so you don't have to take the cell up, put the cell down, take the cell up. Put, it's, uh, come on. Man. I mean, you can even, even if, even if you, I think, I think Hell in a Cell as a pay-per-view is just a stupid pay-per-view. You're forcing these matches to have like climaxes when they really shouldn't. Right. Something, and I mean, you can just get rid of the, the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view and Hell in a, maybe change the to No Way Out. You know, just if you just have the blanket No Way Out, so then you can have a Hell in a Cell match. You all, you still have these like gimmick matches that, you know, make it but it would be no one match, escape. one game like match. a lumberjack. Only one. You only you want a whole pay per view of just Hell in a Cell. No, no, no. What I'm saying is, I want if you're gonna if you're doing away with Hell in a Cell or any of these themed pay per views, then you should use those stipulations to your point to end big feuds. So you should have Absolutely. a Hell in a Cell at you know the Royal Rumble or or at WrestleMania or whatever. You should have Money in the Bank at. X, you know, at X event or Y event, not an entire pay-per-view. And not only that, but if you're going to do money in the bank, for instance, there should be raw SmackDown, a women's and a tag team's money in the bank ladder match at that rate. If you're going to do that, because otherwise you're kind of picking and choosing same thing with the elimination chamber. I, I last, the last show I, we did, I mentioned bringing back the chamber and I said, you could do a women's elimination chamber match now and you have the roster to do it. Uh-huh. I agree. You know? It's just it's just it's just weird. I'm down with it. Yeah, they're just instead of just crutching to your point all these pay-per-views under one umbrella, go back and just, hey, we're gonna have money in the bank at, you know, the rumble, and that way whoever wins it at the rumble can has until mania to cash it in. And then there it creates a story that's compelling for, you know, three or four months. Yeah, I'd like to see that happen as opposed to the weirdness that's going on now with Yep. I mean, how I don't even know what happened, happened to the chamber. How, how are they going to do money in the bank? Yep. I mean, I think it'd be more interesting to have a money in the bank. You can have to do it twice a year, but you know that star can cash it in anywhere. Right. So you can have you know it's Raw and SmackDown stars. If a Raw star wins, he can just go to SmackDown. I think that would be much more interesting. You yep. Can have I don't know. You can have um, Cesaro show up to SmackDown and face Cena. Yep. You know, or some crap like that. No, I think that that's a good way to do it. Plus, it's a nice underhanded way to help a certain uh, help a wrestler that isn't faring well on Raw go to SmackDown and boost SmackDown or vice versa. Uh huh. I think I think that would work. Now, the other thing, the other thing, this is all speculation, but you know, tonight's theme is uh, fantasy warfare becomes real. Just saying. Yeah, I was. um, One thing I did want to mention that I was bummed out about. If you heard about what went on with Vader. Uh, that he said on Twitter that doctors told him he had two years to live because he had congestive heart failure. You know, a couple of wrestlers have said, you know, Vader should go in the Hall of Fame, which I was shocked that he wasn't already because Vader, Vader. I, yeah, I couldn't believe it, too. I was like, what? I was like, what the fuck do you mean? It's Vader. Exactly. It's bad Vader. Yeah, like Vader should have been in the Hall of Fame years ago, but he hasn't. You know, he had, you know, maybe this year now, but it's like, fuck, and, uh, you know, this guy, he got told He's got two years to live, whatever, because he's got congestive heart failure. And now everybody's like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? It's like, yo, Vader was one of the dudes that, like I just said, should have been in the Hall of Fame ages ago. Uh-huh. You know, it, it was just I'll unfortunate. Be honest, though. I, I, part of me is a little afraid that he's going to you know, do the whole Hall of Fame 
and then die yeah, the next day. And then, yeah. and then, then pull an ultimate warrior. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah, like, no, you're right. Jokes aside, you know, like, I'm being serious. Like, no, 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 you're right. Fucking the same thing happened to Warrior. No, it's and true. Like, and he, he had heart, heart problems, too, and but he didn't really kind of know about it. Right. Same thing could happen to Vader. He's fucking Vader and up. But then again, he was still doing matches, so who yep. knows? I mean, you know, it, it's funny because everybody's talking about that, and then everybody switched gears when... People magazines like, oh, The Rock is the sexiest man alive. And I was I was loving WWE social media because it's like, hey, instead of talking about, hey, we got the one of our one of our one of our veterans. He needs your help. We should learn more about congestive heart failure. No, no, no. The Rock, sexiest man alive. Yeah, the Rock like, for president in 2020. Let, let's talk about it. Yeah, talk exactly. Here. It's, it's like it's like The Rock is getting nowhere near the presidency. And if he decides to do that, rest assured, it everyone won't know about it. Like, you're not going to find out about it through fucking Instagram. <laughs> we need two Hall of Famers in the White House, man. That's, That's what I'm it. telling you. Not one. We need two. <laughs> now, you know, we got we to gotta get into some predictions. We'll, we'll start with NXT first. Um, couple of how things. Are you, how are you going to avoid? How in the world are you going to avoid that state of the union? And Mick Foley, my man. Because I'll, my tell, God. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why I, I didn't bring it up, but. You know, I'll let you run with the ball. When I saw that and I saw how it started on Raw, I said, this is essentially going to be a bicker fest. The only thing out of that that I will take out was when him and Daniel Bryan got into it. And Daniel Bryan's like, yeah, you talk about yeah. wrestling, but you went to TNA and you wrestled. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, I was like, yeah, wow. Like, like the, the, the one only, thing, the only thing that they got real, which I appreciated. On. Yeah. The only, um, the reason I want to bring it up, you said about edge being a GM. Um, I mean, that would be a great idea because honestly, based off that state of the union, it, it truly seems that Mick Foley has some very serious brain damage. Uh, no jokes aside, when he's reading the lines, I mean, I buried him in the last spotlight. Yep. But you, you see the way he, he talks on Raw. Yep. He, um, he looks like he doesn't know where he is half the time. And, it, and I'm not even making jokes at this point. It honestly is fucking sad because you see this guy come out and he, he doesn't know who he's talking to. He's, he's, he, he, he genuinely looks like he's forgetting his lines. And when he was asked about uh, what do you like working with Daniel Bryan, it's not like Renee stuttered and it was hard to understand her. No, she just said, would you like to work with Daniel Bryan? And then he started going on about how much he, he respects Stephanie. Yep. How the fuck do you get that? It was, and then he had to keep asking her, well, is this okay? Is this okay to share? It's okay. It's like, what do you mean? You didn't say anything crazy, Mick. Yep. You're fucking crazy. It was, it was definitely it's weird. It's genuinely sad. It was it was definitely weird and cringeworthy, but like I said, the one thing I did want to pluck out of there was that they got real, like him and Daniel Bryan. Like that's always one of those things that I appreciate when they do like talking smack sometimes, that they go off the cuff. Oh, yeah. I kind of feel that they'd get away with that because Vince doesn't watch any of that shit. <laughs> and they're just like, All right, <laughs> we're gonna talk about fucking TNA right now. And they're like, Shh, don't say that. And you know, they know it. They know what they're doing because you know, Stone Cold, he, he brought up TNA with AJ. Yep. The thing is, there's like a big difference between you got the casual raw crowd and then you got the super smarts. Yep. You, got, you got the WWE subscribers, but not everyone is tuning, tuning into to SmackDown Live at 1030. Well, soon to be 1130 with the cruiserweights. Yep. Not everyone's tuning in at 1130. They, they got real shit to do. Right. Only the truest of hardcore fans are going to tune into the fucking state of the union. Yep. Because so, I, I ended up can, watching it afterwards. Those people. You, can, you can call... Yeah, you know you can you can call Cesaro Claudio, you know, if you wanted to, or or mention TNA. But it, doing it all, it's it's like a different animal, it's a different demographic. 
Well, on top of the fact that they were talking about, which I talked about a few weeks back, about WWE showing like Ring of Honor and some of these other promotions, which the UFC does with their fight pass. They do it with some of the smaller promotions like Invicta, and they'll show their events on their on their platform. I said to myself, if WWE decides to shit to let people watch like Ring of Honor or Evolve or any of these promotions, it's going to make for such a better overall product. Because think about it. You could go and Ring of Honor could do the best of um, Cesaro and just talk about his career as Claudio and, and the Kings of Wrestling. And all of a sudden, you just made people a lot smarter. Yeah, by keep By keeping them in, yeah, in, inside your product. Yeah, I agree. Uh, personally, like the, I'm more of the, the sports entertainment side. I like a good story. Right. Whereas, like, if you're like a super hardcore wrestling fan, I can totally see that being the value. I, I like the more, you know, campy shit. No, but of course. I, I can I can totally see that 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 would be um that is kind of for like the hardcore of hardcore and I they'll probably make it a little bit pricier. Yep. But I mean if you're a, a true hardcore fan, you'd have no problem popping down fifteen bucks to see a, a fucking uh Daniel Bryan Cesaro match from, from tw- uh, two thousand five or yep. whenever they wrestled. No, I'd I'd absolutely do that. I think that that's that, that those were the tiers they were going for, and I think that if they do that and get these smaller companies, at the end of the day, you know, and WWE's done a good job of this. They know that they're the biggest fish and nobody's going to compete with them head to head. Nobody. Not TNA, not Ring of Honor. Yeah, no matter what. You know, I love Lucha Underground. They're dope. But it's like y'all don't got the cash or the, or the access that WWE has. They're a mainstream institution. So at that point, it's like the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So you might as well just watch all that uh, stuff on the network. Yeah, there's no sense hiding it anymore. It's, it's like uh, I was explaining to someone that like TNA for some reason, isn't, like, considered part of WWE canon. Right. Like, in the sense of, like, CM Punk, everyone knew, and they mentioned his Ring of Honor run, but they pretended, like, Sting had been gone for 10 years. They pretend that motherfucker vanished on the face of the earth. He right. didn't fight in TNA. He, he was last seen in Florida with Shane McMahon, and was never seen again. Right. It's just, like, this weird thing. I'm hoping one day they can, maybe when fucking Broken Matt Hardy comes over, they'll finally explain that, yeah, TNA is some alternate reality. You know, the Infinity Gauntlet <laughs> merged the realms together. <laughs> you never know. You never know. But um, possible. With, with that said, I want to just uh, switch gears and jump into the uh, the predictions. We got NXT on deck Saturday. Lots of good stuff there. Um, the Revival taking on DIY. Best two out of three falls. I think um, one of the guys on the Revival is hurt. So I think that Gargano and Ciampa may actually don't, get the belts. Don't say it. Don't say it. Why do you say I, that? I, I'm pulling for the revival. I I genuinely think they are the best tag team in WWE. I, I, I can I can agree with that. Fuckers. They are they they are phenomenal. They are just so good. Their match during um was it Brooklyn? Yep. The match they just had against Gargano. That match, I mean, that was probably tag team match of the year. It's not one of the best matches Absolutely. in WWE programming of the year. It was so good. They they show how to do heels right. You have so many of these cowardly heels in the WWE that you know are tag teams or they're just ineffective these right. two guys man they the bullet the bullet club should be taking fucking notes take some bullet points on how to run a good heel team a, he, a good heel bald team no I, I i can agree with that i think that the the revival is solid the only reason like i said is i heard rumblings that one of the guys was hurt so you know they might want to take him off the road but then there's another rumor that they may be getting a call up so oh man i mean that that i, I don't know where they'd go if they'd be better on raw or smackdown i'm um I mean, I don't really know because I, I think I think they'd be really good on SmackDown. You don't want yep. two 
white goatee bald motherfuckers on the same show. This is true. This is definitely true. So I'm presuming you're going to say that the revival retains. Absolutely. Two falls. Gargano and, and Chapo, they don't even get a fall. Okay. Please now, please. um, we got the Dusty Rose Tag Team Classic Finals, the Authors of Pain versus TM61. I honestly thought that they were going to put Sanity over and we were going to get Sanity and the Authors of Pain. Big shock seeing TM61 in there. I had to go. I was watching NXT today. I went, who? Exactly. out of here. Nick Miller and other. Yeah, and Shane Thorne. Shane Thorne. Authors of Pain get the victory. I, I can agree Terrible. with that. I think, I think the Authors of Pain are being groomed as the next monster uh, tag team. So... I definitely feel that that's the case. I, I, I also feel that their gimmick is way, way too much supersized shield. Like, hey, I'd like a number one. All right, that's <laughs> Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, and Ambrose. I'd like to supersize that. Oh, so you want the Authors of Pain then? That's what you're telling me. Yeah, right. Because the yeah, gimmick... I'm probably going gonna, gonna to go with TM61 winning, though, just because they're like the... It's, it's for, you got to have the faces to win the, the Dusty Tournament. They're going to win by, by some crazy thing. Maybe I'm thinking Paul Ellering's cage crashes down and kills one of the Authors of Pain. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I mean, you know, I think, I think Authors of Pain is going to take it just because they're trying to get these guys over and they need all the help they yeah. can get. Um, Bobby Roode yeah. and Ty Dillinger, as much as Ty Dillinger is over, Bobby Roode's not losing in Canada. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping, um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm rooting for the perfect 10, but, I mean, I, you're probably right. I think Rude is going to win. He's going to get, the perfect 10 is going to barely squeak by. Right. And you know, maybe he'll even get, like, a, a three count and then get foot on the rope or some shit. I don't know. And but you got to get that monster heat for Bobby Rude. I don't want motherfuckers singing glorious. Yeah, you know, it's he true. He wants people to, to, to bow down. You need that heel heat quick. Now, the women's title match, it's cool to see Mickey James back in there. Uh, I think Asuka's just going to win. I think Mickey James is going to make her look good, but I think Asuka's definitely just yeah. going to hold on to the belt because I have a feeling that they're going to, they're grooming Ember Moon to take the belt off of Asuka. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to go with Asuka too. I, I, I haven't really caught up with the whole women's scene. There's a bunch of, of um, women who are, who seem like new on the scene. Right. So yeah, I'm thinking Asuka is going to hold it for, hold it for a while. At least till mania. You got to give her, I'm, I'm assuming that she's probably going to hold it for at least a year. I could see that. Now, of course, the big one, Nakamura, Samoa Joe. What do you think? Nakamura, easily, easily. Yep. You got to get this motherfucker off the road. You got to get Samoa Joe on SmackDown yesterday. Yep. Please, I, please. I, not only that, but I need Samoa Joe on the main roster because we got we to gotta see at least one time Samoa Joe and Brock Lesnar in the ring once. Uh, yeah, we, we deserve that match. That, that would be that bananas. That is fantasy warfare becoming a reality. <laughs> All right. Now, Survivor Series, we got, um, you know, the Miz now, the IC champ, goes into uh, enemy territory to take on Sami Zayn. If Zayn wins, the IC title goes to Raw. Now, I see... Terrible. I kind of see this as Sami Zayn winning just so that the Miz looks bad, and then they'll find a way to, to get the U.S. title on SmackDown because I feel that they want the, the, histor- the more historic title on Raw. Okay, but then wait. If they want some story title on Raw, so they're so Sami Zayn is going to lose or he's going to win. No, I think Zayn is going to win. But what's going to end up happening is they're going to find a way to get the U.S. title onto SmackDown. Oh, the U.S. title on the SmackDown. Yeah, right, I'd be okay with that. I the, think um, we'll get later. I think I think something down the road during Survivor Series will lead to that happening. All right, there you go. 
So um, yeah, I see Zayn yeah, I'm winning. Go, that. I, yeah, I, I'm, I agree with your. I agree with your prediction. The um, cruiserweight title match. I feel I feel Kalisto is going to win just because, like I said, with two hundred five live, it's a nice way to get the cruiserweights over there, and you know, nice little compromise. Yeah, Kalisto wins, and that's going to lead to um, at TLC. That's going to lead to a like four four way match because you have so many hands in the cookie pot yep. who feel like they deserve the the, um, the cruiserweight title. You got TJ Perkins; he gets his rematch. Brian Kendrick gets his automatic rematch. Rich Swan is undefeated. That's he's right. Stealing victories among other things. So he I think he's gonna get he's gonna get a chance too. So I think we're gonna see a, a fatal four way at TLC for that after Kalista takes it. There you go. Now, Survivor Series old school match, uh the tag teams, Team SmackDown taking on Team Raw. Um I I wanna say I see Team SmackDown running away with it because I think they're gonna use this as a great chance to get American Alpha over. Plus I feel okay. Raw has a weak team on paper. I'm sorry, but the shining stars oh, really <laughs> like that's who you got. Yeah, fucking breeze out. Yeah, th- um, you got the headbangers are more effective than the shining stars. They're exactly on the team. Exactly. Yeah, you also you also have pretty much on on Team SmackDown. They seem all pretty just from a kayfabe point of view. They're all pretty unified. Yep. The other team, you got Cesaro and Sheamus in the Bullet Club. They don't even want to fucking be there. Right. They'd rather be home. Correct. So I kind I definitely I definitely see SmackDown taking that one, but. On the the yeah. women's side, I see the I see the raw roster coming up coming up aces on that one. Yeah, that's like the only match I'm, I'm not completely sure about. Um, I don't know about that one because obviously, whatever team wins the more the more matches. Like if you're gonna have Raw win and take the IC title, you don't want Raw also winning all the big matches. Right. So I don't know. I'm thinking. I actually think the women are gonna win on that team. I think uh, their their coach Natalia is somehow gonna coming to play so i'm gonna go with the women also on that well you know what it was i would have i would have thought that if raw didn't have the equalizer in uh uh dana brooke who may show up also to t- to neutralize <laughs> terrible exactly so there oh is God, that and pages sting coming out <laughs> that's why i kind of say that the women are going to win on smackdown's women's team is going to win and then raw's men's team is going to win for for the for the survivor series match so you think the SmackDown women's team is going to win? I think, yeah, I think SmackDown's women's team, uh, let me, correction, Raw's women's team is going to win for the women, and SmackDown's men's team is going to win for the men. Like, that'll be okay, the split. Yeah, I, I, can, I can see something like that. Yeah, because the, the reason I, I think that the men's SmackDown team is going to win, because I would like there to be a trade of some sort, because there has to be a reason yep. that someone gets someone. Absolutely. Um, the only, I, I'm like, I'm flip-flopping because your U.S. title idea is good. There's no way you're going to have the only title on SmackDown be the World Heavyweight Championship, and there's no like mid-card belt besides the, the Cruiserweight title. But at the same time, Stephanie did say that she was going to fire everybody if they lose. Right. You kind of have to have Raw win. The only threat that SmackDown has is Undertaker said he's going to fuck someone up. This is true. So... Or maybe they just forgot about the Stephanie thing because she hasn't mentioned it. At all. <laughs> that is so. I, I man, I don't know. I, I think they just forgot. It's it's basically uh, Shane McMahon's lockbox for Vince of of this season. They're just gonna forget about it. Possible. So, man, I don't know that that final match. Um, if I had to bet my life on it, I, I'd probably go with maybe Smack. Fuck SmackDown, sure. Okay. Nah, fuck it. Raw, Raw wins, and then. Undertaker does something, or it's going to be um maybe it'll be a uh, 
no decision, and Mick Foley forced them all to tag together. <laughs> and then Teddy so Long comes out and says tag team match. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the um, we'll see. No, it's for once. It it's the most it's the most uh, surprising pay per view. There's no matches where I can see a hundred percent. You know, my ideas is perfect. I, I think there's gonna be a lot of surprises on Sunday. Fancy now, warfare come reality. Well, Brock Lesnar and Goldberg is interesting for a few reasons. Obviously, you don't want to bring Goldberg back and have him lose. But, you know, it was funny because Jimbo Slice sent me a text and he was like, Brock is going to win so that they tie and then they do the rematch at Mania, which I'm like, huh? I hope not. That is that, that, but that is compelling true. That is compelling also, especially if they say we're going to put Goldberg in the Hall of Fame. That'd be a good way to kind of cap that out and then Goldberg gets the win at Mania. Brock puts him over, and then he goes in the Hall of Fame. But man, I I can't I can't that that is the worst booking ever in my entire life. I can't. But it could happen. That. I can't. When he when he texted me that and I read, it, I'm like, you know what? Maybe it could it could happen. But I got to say this: if they didn't go that route and Goldberg was just doing this as his last match, period, and we weren't going to get any more matches, Brock would probably put Goldberg over. You know what I. I don't know. I mean, the only thing, the only, the true winner of that match is going to be the fans if they don't do the bullshit suplex city. That's all I want. That's all I need. Okay. I don't care. They can fight. It can, it could be a big Haas match. It could be the least technical match I've ever seen. I just want them, you know, beating each other up. And that's all I want. Goldberg wins. I I personally, I, I still love Brock just being this, this monster, this, this bad motherfucker. You know what I mean? Because I'd love if he gave the rub to someone else. You know, not 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 Goldberg. Give it to Joe. Fucking give it to Sami Zayn. I don't know. Give it to someone else besides Goldberg. Well, Please. to take to take what what Jimbo Slice said as as an ex, just as a thought. I also say that if they would have been smart, Raw has their beast with Brock Lesnar, and SmackDown would have the man with Goldberg. Yeah, they dropped the ball on that. Yep, that was. That was I thought that was going to happen too. I, it, this I think 2016 will be marred by forgotten storylines yep. all involving the McMahons because you changed lockbox. You had, you know, Stephanie forgetting which side he or face she is. And now you just, you, Shane just forgot that he was like feuding with Brock. Right. He said that he, there, he would pay. There'd be justice. Yep. Why, why didn't he be the one to call up Goldberg? Exactly. It was fucking foolish to not have, why, why wasn't Brock on raw Goldberg is on SmackDown. And then they're just both, you know, intermingling in their shows. Right. I, I, that was the biggest ball dropped yep. of the year. Because think but about I, it. Shane, I can't think of anything else. Yep, because Brock attacked Shane. Shane was talking about all these repercussions. Stephanie McMahon fined him a dollar or whatever the fuck she did. Every, you know, <laughs> she Shane was all piss and vinegar about it. And then to your point, nothing. And it's like right now would be a great opportunity to create this monster for SmackDown the same way Raw has Lesnar. I mean, Goldberg would be good for that part time. You come in. You have one or two matches, work a couple of programs, keep it moving. You know, obviously respecting the fact that he's fucking old, but still, like that's a good way to do it. I, I I almost feel that you get more out of having Goldberg on your roster than you do having Taker on your roster. Uh, yeah, I, I can. I, yeah, I would agree with that because Goldberg still gets a pop like a motherfucker. Exactly. The Undertaker gets what I like so, to call the I mean, mercy yeah. pop. You know, he comes out, everybody goes crazy because it's a dope entrance, and then, meh. <laughs> <laughs> Think about it. Think about it. You pop yeah. as soon as you hear the gong, he comes out, everybody's like, yeah! And then all of a sudden, it's like, 
Ugh, it's going to take this motherfucker 20 minutes to get there. And he's got to take off his hat. And he's got to fucking, you know, fold up his walker. I think this, you know, I hate to compare it, but Goldberg got James Ellsworth syndrome. He's overexposed already. Because when he came back, man, his fucking pop and his quick little promo, brilliant. But on Monday night, I could not stand that fucker's promo. Well, he was he was Fox, super hyped. If you up. don't be quiet right now, Paul Heyman, I'm gonna come over there and beat you right. It, well, stop, stop. Well, I thought about that and I said, when did Goldberg become a Southern gentleman? <laughs> like, <laughs> what the fuck? like I was and like, Paul, what happened, Paul, sir, sir? <laughs> Paul, Paul Heyman was talking to him like like that. And that Paul was a valet and he was crashed his Lamborghini, sir, sir. I'm so sorry about this. Like like he was doing his his best um, nerdy white guy accent. I thought Paul I Heyman was going to sell him car insurance. Yeah, I, I understand your rates are high, but uh, sir, this is fancy work for coming to reality, and I can, I can only offer these rates. I, I I didn't understand all of it. Yep, it was it was so disjointed. I mean, like I said, even though even though a Jimbo Slice said would probably be the way they go, because obviously they're going to squeeze the life out of Goldberg for all it's worth. To my point, if he's saying, "Oh, you know, Brock is last, and he and it's the last match," then Goldberg will go over, but. I have a feeling if he does go over, it won't be clean. Unless, like you said, yeah. they make it no holds barred, whatever, no countouts, whatever. Like, I have a feeling Goldberg's going to get him for the jackhammer. Heyman's going to come in, punch Goldberg in the balls, and then DQ, Goldberg wins, and people just are, like, fucking annoyed. <laughs> the only way I'm okay, because Goldberg's obviously going to the Hall of Fame this year, obviously. Yep. The only way I'm okay with them going that route is if, he, if he goes, if Goldberg wins, then he goes to the Hall of Fame, no rematch. Yep. Because my boy Sting was put in the Hall of Fame, and I'm still waiting for that motherfucker to come back. Still waiting. It's going to happen one day. Yeah, it's not. It, Maybe a Survivor Series. If Sting were to come back, it would probably be to have the safest match of all time against The Undertaker in, like, a rubber room. And that's all I want. That's <laughs> all I want. Maybe we'll get Goldberg and Taker. Like, let's, all these old fucks, man. That's like, I, I want... I. I Brock, give him a match that, that is going to be a, a good, hardened match. You said Samoa Joe. That's who we should be fighting in Mania. We do not need a third Goldberg match. I agree. Brock. We don't need it. So let's, let's, I, that's the only way to do it right would make it no DQ. None of that suplex city. Just have him be a fight. And I want Goldberg can essentially win, win, quote unquote, but Brock gets the pin. You know what I mean? Like yep. by, by some crazy shenanigans. Have, have Paul Heyman with the, the spray. The, the the Japanese green mist, you know, something. Paul Elring's fucking cage, you know, something to stop him. Well, there you go. With that said, um, I think our predictions are are going to be interesting. <laughs> come, obviously, we're, we're not doing a show next week, but we'll we'll obviously be talking about it in the RageWorks Facebook group. So make sure you check that out. Uh, anything else you wanted to add, Captain? I can't think of anything. You know, just be on the lookout. I'll probably have something in the cooker. Gaming has been really quiet recently. Nothing, no, no, no crazy bullshit. If you haven't read, check out my uh, Hearthstone esports article. Yep. Um, check out my Titanfall article. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, just keep, just keep be on the lookout. I, I might have, might have stuff cooking out. We got the holidays coming. Um, I might check out a uh, Fallout mods come out this week. And if you know me, I'm a big fan of that. Yep. So I think I'm going to give a, a review on that on the the PS4 modding community. And, and cool. I'm probably going to. I'm thinking about doing a a uh, commentary on how. The, the PlayStation or the Xbox is um, they're, they're different in opinions company-wise between 
you know, Xbox has their, you can have open access, early access games, all these, you know, they pretty much trust your community more. PlayStation doesn't, you know, I'm going to look into that and the difference between the two of them. So I've been looking at that. That's in the cooker. And besides that, uh, you know, stay ragey folks and buried. There you got it. Thanks brother. I appreciate you calling in. Of course. Anytime. Good night, my man. All right, man. Peace. Peace. That was our very own captain quark. Of course, check out all his work on rageworks.net link up with him on our Facebook group. And as always, Check him out on social media, Twitter, Instagram. Links for that will be in the show notes for this week. All right. It's been an action-packed episode. Uh, Good way to close things out before our little break. I want to thank Captain Quark for calling in. And, of course, thank you guys all for tuning in. And with that, that is the end of this week's wrestling segment. And it's time to wrap up the show as well. So with that, I've given you guys my take on MMA and wrestling this week. As always, I'd love to hear yours. You can find us on social media, Twitter, at MyTakeRadio, or at Rage underscore Works. If you're on Facebook, you can go to Facebook.com forward slash Official RageWorks. Become a fan if you haven't already to stay up to date with all the happenings regarding RageWorks and all of our shows. You can also join the RageWorks Facebook group, interact with myself, Quark, Slick, and the rest of the crew, talk gaming, entertainment, wrestling, stuff that's going on in pop culture. You name it, it's kind of tackled in there. And of course, best experience as always with regards to the show is mtrlive.com for live episodes, at least for the time being. And archived episodes of this show and previous shows, you can find them on rageworks.net, as well as in podcast format on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. On the video side of things, you can find us YouTube.com forward slash official rage works. All right, guys, make sure to check out this week. We got a brand new episode of TRSS. Of course, we got this episode of my take radio. We got a new episode of black is the new black next Wednesday, right before Thanksgiving. You're going to get a brand new installment of the variant issue. And as always, keep it locked to rage works for everything. Gaming, MMA, wrestling, entertainment, and pop culture. Thank you guys for watching. I'm out of here. See you guys November 30th. Peace. I'm rich, bitch. Rock on, folks.